we had so much leftover audio from the champagne episode that we did with Maggie and Brian that we decided to do a little mini episode that would consist of some of the B-roll conversation in between uh, episodes. Next week, we will be back with supplier episodes and more information to help you in the market. This week's is just a little bit more laid back, relaxed, and some fun content. So, enjoy. I actually recently learned the open sesame, mm-hmm. right? Do you know the origins? It was from a comedy movie. Mm-hmm. And um, open sesame? Open says me. A me. Yeah. That's open sesame. Yeah. Yeah. Sesame. yeah I, knew. I heard that before. Ah. Although here's a, here's one for you. Um, so we have sesame seeds. What, what did they, what did they grow into? A sesame? <laughs> like, what is it? What is that plant? I don't actually know. <laughs> You're right. Oh, probably a sesame seed plant. A sesame plant? I don't know. Like I've never, I've never even heard of it. I just know sesame seeds. Uh, we were just talking about this. You know, sesame seeds, Brian Pitt, uh, brought this up. Sesame seeds, what do sesame seeds grow into if you plant them? Is it a sesame? Is it a sesame plant? What is it called? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is, it, is it a flower? I have no idea. I just... Yeah. Un- unsure. I have no idea. Okay, wait, I hit. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear Google turning on. It is a plant. It looks a lot like cotton. Like oh. Cotton so, or something. What's it called? Just a sesame plant? Uh, sesamum. Sesamum. Oh. You guys want to oh, make some sesamum ses- wine? Or it's, no. no, it's called it's called sesame. It's a sesame tree, I guess. Oh, it's a tree. Interesting. Okay. But perennial plant, it's only a foot tall. That's cool. A foot to three feet tall. What I'm hearing is I can grow one in my kitchen. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there is a flower. But then there's seed pods, and those are the seeds. I love it. Okay. So where did we leave off? Okay. Uh, We were talking about... um, Actually, revolution. Yeah, yeah. So uh, around the revolution, I I found an interesting fact, and it was um, specifically focusing on um, champagne being associated with French royals, Mm -hmm. and it was like super high end, high class kind of thing. And allegedly, there was something like eighteen hundred bottles consumed in one night uh, on, oh on right on record they just they threw a big old party and uh just that's alleged alleged this is all alleged because <laughs> it's you know the 1800s in 1700s 17 yeah, yeah. Uh, pre the it was uh actually it was right before the french revolution mm. uh, just around that time frame um so you can take that information <laughs> for what you want to. Uh, but what was fascinating to me is after the French Revolution, uh, yeah, I, I remember reading there was, uh, it became a little bit more common for people, like the average consumer of wine, to be able to access it. Yep. Uh, the, oh, yeah, that's why they did it. That's <laughs> what the French Revolution yeah, was about. about. 
It was just about champagne. Like, yeah, nothing about. Way, but <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. If champagne is like a metaphor for you know what they're really fighting for, I'm all about it. Yeah, about getting. I think that French. This is a tangent, but I do think that French Revolution is like the female version of the Roman Empire because I think about the French Revolution all the time. <laughs> I love that. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the French Revolution it. Um, it did two things. It, it did bring um, a lot of these luxury items or these things that were out of the reach of the common man kind of closer to the common. I w- still don't know if uh, every uh, former peasant was able to drink champagne, but uh, it was a little bit more attainable. The other thing it really did was um, a lot of new laws were passed right after, and it started to really um, it give structure to the wine industry in France. Like a lot of wine law in France was written, well, it has its origins at least um, in the French Revolution. Before then, there wasn't a massive amount of uh, wine law in France. Uh, it, it really started after um, where you have like Champagne is probably one of the most regulated uh, appellations in France. Um, how many uh, vines they're allowed to have per hectare, hectare uh, how many um, tons of grapes they're allowed to produce per hectare. Um, so it's it's kind of crazy. Like One so, grapes you can produce. Yep. Uh, I mean, even yeah. today, um, only like 16% of the region of Champagne is planted to grapes. There are more tons of potatoes um, grown in Champagne, France than grapes. Really? Yes. I had no idea about that. Yeah. And it's it has everything to do with two things. One, you know, certain areas there where t- potatoes can do better, grapes wouldn't be really that prosperous. And the other one is that the government is aug- artificially augmenting the um, the area where it can grow down. They're bottlenecking it. Yeah, on purpose. Yeah. On purpose to make sure that it's, champagne is... Right. Still, like, the pinnacle. They're trying to make sure that they don't lose any... Um, quality they want to keep the quality and they want to meter the quantity wow yeah what regulation yeah it's it's one well, how they i mean we could do a whole episode on how they enforce the regulations because it's kind of cool they the i they, think we should do sometime like french it, oh gosh well, it, and be great i know in champagne they fly helicopters over the vineyards and take pictures and have an algorithm that can tell them how much the fruit um the vineyards are hanging how many uh hectares that they're planted to how many vines are in each hectare, and they have busted people um with this wow you're growing too much too many grapes yeah. they probably do it with a drone now but when i learned this sure they they didn't drones weren't as prevalent but they yeah they had definitely had helicopters and i i saw videos of them and i was like no way so i looked them up and i'm like when you used to have to like really dig into youtube nowadays it just pops up on your feed um <laughs> But yeah, like I looked it up. I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah. E bombs world. Yes, watching. yeah, I was E bombs world watching <laughs> helicopters. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, and it was a wholesome thing on E bombs world. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't long after that, uh, after the French Revolution, that we find ourselves moving to the story of Kava. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah. we we actually covered a lot of kava in in the Corponat kava episode. So there's, I mean, we did a whole episode on it. I mean, yeah. I guess yeah. the the important but things to I know. Mean, go ahead, Brian. Oh, 
I was just going to say the important things that I that I took away from, um, oh. you know, that that episode were, you know, there's uh, Corponaut is is the more refined version of mm-hmm. Kava. Kava, I think, was the unsung hero of the sparkling wine world. Uh, it it saved <laughs> it saved the people that wanted to drink sparkling when all of the champagne plants uh, got sick. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like the most simplified version of that, but Corponaut's right. like the refined, uh, uh, more regulated version of kava yes. because after they figured out how to adapt the plants to not get sick anymore, right? Kava kind of took a back seat and hid in the shadows in terms of like public culture. Right. Yeah. So kava was right invented because of phylloxera killing all of the French champagne plants mm-hmm. um so it's kind of spain's way of being like oh well here we'll produce something that's similar made in the same you know method it's familiar to you guys as far as like a sparkling wine that we can offer um but they used indigenous grapes so a little bit more earthy more rich um a little bit less of those like toasty uh you know nutty notes um and then it really was like the second you know whatever seven years later you plant onto American rootstock. Champagne is back up and running. Cava did really fall out of fashion again, but not in Spain. So you saw the growth of Cava, you know, in their own like country nationally grow, but internationally took a backseat to uh, Champagne again. And, you know, a lot of that is also what's going on globally, too. You know, yeah, so phylloxera is happening and Spain kind of comes up with Cava. But then if you think about that time period, um, you know, we're we're talking about the mid 1800s, you know, late 1800s. You know, we um, had gone to war as the United States. We had the Spanish-American War. You know, we weren't. Not that we hated this, the the Spanish or anything like that, but the, the French had always been our ally. They they, they came to us, so we ha- we as a country we um, were more predisposed to um, you know give France the nod, and so um, because of that, the name Champagne became ubiquitous. You know, so e- even though Cava may had a moment. Um, in the United States, it wasn't. It was still champagne. I mean, even we can go into um, what was called champagne in the United States back before Prohibition, um, because yeah. it, it was allowed to be called that. So we used the name like it was so ubiquitous. Champagne right. was sparkling. Uh, nowadays, it's right. not that way, and you, there's only two, I believe, um, that are still allowed to be called um, champagne. Have champagne on the name, and it's literally because they have they have not changed the label. Um, since before prohibition, so even after prohibition, yeah. when it came back, they kept the same label. So, so um, it, with our governing body, the TTB, if you have a significant change in your label, you have to reapply for what we call a cola. Um, and so, basically, that's them approving your label. Um, and if you have champagne on there, it will not be approved nowadays. But because they've never um, reapplied because they use the same exact label, they can get away with it. That's amazing. We've yeah. got that in house. No so, way. So great, what? Yeah, great Western uh, American champagne. It's made in New mm-hmm. York, using uh, New York grapes. Delaware is the their hybrids. Um, Delaware is the most prominent in their blend. But yeah, they were the first bonded winery in America, and they can put right on it American champagne. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! 
I didn't realize that we had that. Yeah. Yeah. Taste some. It's it's honestly pretty good. I really, I mean, it's very good. I like. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, definitely seems like one of those things we'd want to taste. We want to, uh, yeah. Wow. Could you imagine showing up at a party and they go to pour you a glass of bubbly and you're like, oh, wow, you sprung for champagne. Well, it's not just champagne. This is champagne from America. And they're like, you can't have that. And then you get to show out some hardcore knowledge. Boom. Yeah. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. Champagne from America. It cost me $15. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, I didn't know that. Thank you for listening to Imperial Beverage Presents Another Round. Until next time, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>